And he just broke down and started crying, but it wasn't tantrum crying. It was just sheer grief. And he was sobbing and crying and I was like, no, what's going on? And he said, well, why, why didn't, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you know that I was sick? I was screaming so loudly. I was trying to tell you how much pain I was in and I was trying to tell you how sick I was and no one listened. And so as a mother, like the first thing is like, oh my God, my child thinks I didn't give a crap. He just, he just thought that I thought that he was okay and I didn't care. So that was just like the first horrible, horrible moment of I need to explain to him that he was our utmost priority, even though it didn't feel like it for him. And secondly, explaining to him, we were trying, we just couldn't find the answer for so long, but we've, you know, but we did and, and we're here, we're here trying to help you and we heard you. Life gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Kirsty Worth noticed a change in her son when he was around 15 months old. Then in just a few months, Noah went from thriving and hitting all his milestones to avoiding eye contact, unable to speak or communicate. Doctors diagnosed Noah with autism. Kirsty was told he'll spend the rest of his life non-verbal and it's likely they'll have to care for him for the rest of his life. But Kirsty refused to go down without a fight, instead committing to doing everything she could to help bring her little boy back to her. After painstakingly trawling the world for answers, the solution was in Noah's gut, which was riddled with pathogens, making him very, very unwell. With the right care, she got her little boy back. He's now flourishing at a regular school. He's funny, brilliant, active and loving life. This experience inspired Kirsty to start Cultured Wellness, a one-stop shop of advice, fermented food products and programs to help people with gut issues regain their health and to ensure no family ever goes through what hers did. I've learned so much from Kirsty. She has fundamentally changed the way I parent my own son and view our health. Kirsty's story is one of resilience, tenacity, and ultimately, it's a testament to a mother's love, which knows no boundaries when it comes to protecting our babies. I hope you love this one. Kirsty, thank you so much for joining me today. We finally got there. Yay! <laughs> I, know, I know, it's been too long. I'm desperate to talk to you, so I'm so stoked. We're finally in the same Zoom room, ready to go. Yes, yes, we've been. I flew up to Noosa. I was there late last year, just for the listeners, and I flew up with my equipment. Kirsty drove all the way to come and chat with me, and it all just went kaput. So instead, we just drank tea on the balcony and chatted about gut health for an hour, and it was awesome. <laughs> well, it actually worked beautifully for me. So <laughs> I loved it. Great. I loved it. I just felt very guilty, but that's okay. We've finally got here a few months on. Um, oh. I'm so excited to get into everything about you. You're so inspirational. So we may as well just just get straight into it. Um, yeah, Kirsty, you and your family have had such an extraordinary health story. 
and you're now the queen of gut health and fermentation. That's what I'm calling you and that's what everyone's calling you. <laughs> but before we get to all of that, I would love to go right back and get a feel of you and when you were growing up and, and whether you always had this emphasis on health. Well, no, absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the stock standard, you know, chops and three veg for dinner and had the sandwiches for lunch and the wheat bix for breakfast and just really standard kind of, um, you know, Australian lifestyle with regards to food culture. So my mum, bless her, like, you know, I remember times when, you know, it was the Pritikin diet or we ate carob for, you know, after school treats. And I, Ew. you know, I could... I know. I could definitely see that she was trying and there was certainly a period in my life when we lived in the country where, you know, I was just so unsettled. I was extremely naughty and my poor father, like he was the principal of the school where we lived. So we lived in this small country town. He was the principal and we lived on the, you know, on the school grounds in the, like, you know, the principal's house. And I was so naughty. Like I went up to the school and I wrote naughty words on the blackboard and, you know, and I'm the principal's daughter for goodness sakes. And it, I feel so sorry for them. I can't picture you being like that at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. And no, I've always just pushed norm, like the norms and boundaries. But, you know, it was, it was really interesting because in the thick of that, you know, I constantly had, you know, tummy problems and I couldn't sleep. I'd have restless legs. I couldn't learn. I was always tired. Like, you know, I've always felt like I literally was like sh rattling my head, shaking my head going, come on, concentrate. You know, you've got to learn this stuff. And I just couldn't pull it together. And um, when we were living at the country, mum took me to see a naturopath. And the naturopath said, you know, this girl is, you know, she can't handle gluten or dairy. She's got immune response issues. She's got some gut issues. You're going to have to make some changes. Now, this is in the early 80s when there, there was no Google. There wasn't a Facebook group for my mum. You know, there wasn't what is, is out there now. Like there wasn't the resources that it was that we have now. And yeah, poor mum. She just didn't know what to do. So she just continued on feeding me the exact same food and um, there wasn't sort of any changes. So my health just kept declining and I'd keep getting some form of virus or sore th strep throat, sore throat, bloating, diarrhea, you know, pain. I was in considerable pain a lot of the time. So yeah, it, it's always been a really rocky roller coaster for me with regards to my health and and I but I was very um into my health in the fact that sport was everything and so if you got up and exercised and if you got outside and if you went if you just did your sport then you were okay and so that was my philosophy so I certainly wasn't you know that kind of couch potato um, eating the, the poor food, I, I would run it off and I would absolutely cane myself and, you know, trash myself with regards to sport because I would feel better afterwards. But obviously that wasn't the solution. But that's that was what I deemed as healthy. If you just, just you know, ran 10Ks a day, then technically it should be okay. So, yeah, it has always been a roller coaster for me from the get-go really. And that's just so normal, even what you're saying then about how you had stomach pains and you've had trouble sleeping. You know, we're how many years on? We're 2020 and people complain of 
those kinds of things and think it's normal. Like we haven't really changed that much in that sense, I suppose. We haven't come far at all, which is just propels me to keep going even more because what we deem as common is not normal. And it's really important to really like even pause on what I've just said, because it is really common for kids to complain of stomach pains, have just reoccurring worms. It's common for kids to have learning difficulties. It's really common for kids now to have bonanza tantrum meltdowns at the drop of a hat. And it's really common for in a classroom to have, you know, four spectrum kids, uh, you know, kids with sensitivity issues, kids with sensory issues. And we just now consider that, oh, that's just what we do. That's just really normal. But it's not and it shouldn't be. We've just either got complacent or we've just got so used to this as our new landscape that uh, we forgot to question it. And we forgot to find out using that beautiful curiosity of what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. What's, what's happening? You know, why, you know, if you speak to teachers, like my father, who's been, you know, he's still teaching at 72, you speak to teachers and they hadn't even heard of kids on the spectrum or, you know, sensory issues or learning issues. You know, it was maybe they'd come across one child in their teaching career, but in the last sort of 10 years, it's almost like we can't keep up with the issues that we're facing with kids' health and kids' learning and their development and their behaviour. It's just exploding onto the scene and we've got to ask why. It's not just because kids are getting uh, more appropriate diagnosis. Mm. It's, it's not, not the case at all. Yeah. So we've got to question our new normals and, and uh, you know, really find out why. And the way that you did delve into that and you did that that journey of discovery for you and your family is the most epic incredible story and I do want to get to that would you mind talking to us about that what the those early stages were like in Noah's life yeah so absolutely and until you're faced with a critical point whatever that critical point is you do just put up with what we say in Australia you know your lot in life you just put up with it like, oh yeah, I've got this or, oh yeah, I've got that. And you put up with it until it does get to that sort of critical mass situation where it's like, I I actually can't keep going in this direction. This is really, really, really scary. And I've got to work out what to do. And there's nothing more fierce than a mum with a sick child. Like just don't even stand in the way (laughs) of a mum with a sick child. So, you know, like I, um, was you know very blessed to fall pregnant and I was studying my PhD at the time and you know I spent my uh, spent my pregnancy for oh, I don't know it was probably three or four months in Europe you know I was went over to Slovenia to present a paper on my PhD and stayed over there and met my husband's family he's from or his family is Swiss and had oh great opportunity meanwhile I was eating gelati and gluten the whole way through Europe and so you know everything was going along really fine and then when Noah was born it was a troubled birth and it was certainly a troubled start and it just continued to head downhill from there I didn't recover well from the birth but I just thought that this is how you feel after a birth so once again my expectations or my understanding or the people around me to say hey like you know, you shouldn't, this shouldn't be happening, 
or can we help you to rest instead of just getting up and go, go, go. And so, you know, it wasn't until when I was 13 months, we went to Fiji to a surf camp and he got Giardia when we were there, which is a horrible waterborne, you know, infection that just destroys your gut. And we, you know, he got chronic diarrhea and it just really never stopped. And he got ear infections, diarrhea, he was unsettled, he wouldn't sleep, he would scream all the time, he was covered in rashes, he was, oh, it was just horrible for him and all of us around him. And then he got Giardia again when he was, um, you know, 15 months and then he broke his arm mm. and he had all of these, you know, he had thrush and then he had, you know, you name it, he had all of these problems and it really got to the point where, you know, all I could do was just put him in the bath because his diarrhea was so bad that I couldn't change his nappies in time. It just kind of would just, just run out of his poor little bottom. So I just put him in the bath for hours at a time. And, you know, with really no kind of where do I turn, is this normal and how do I have help here? And so fortunately I have an incredible husband who... Um, is a registered nurse and he has spent time on gastro wards. And he said to me, look, you know, Kirst, this is not normal. We've been given the, this is toddler diarrhea, just push through, you know, his, his behavior is just developmental. Don't worry about it. He was put on, you know, low sec, which is a, you know, an inhibitor of stomach acid. Oh, that'll fix it. Stop, you know, stop breastfeeding, put him on thickened formula. That'll sort it out. And, you know, and then when it started getting to the give him Nurofen and Panadol and that should sort it out and he was starting to poo out blood. And at that point, my husband was like, you know, on the, you know, if we see a, a patient like this on the gastro ward, we would have them section, we'd be running this test, that test, we would, you know, we would be investigating. He has yellow runny diarrhea. What is going on here? And so, you know, it was at that time we just, had to make this sort of big decision. We've, we've got to go down this rabbit hole. We get, we've got to find out what's going on here. And I, you know, made this really big sort of, I'm going to apply my research skills that I have learned from years and years and years studying at university. And then in my um, academic role at university and my PH, you know, PhD role, I'm going to apply that to learn and question what is going on here. And yeah, sure enough, we found out that he, he had some really serious gut infections and we had to we had to go for it and we had to solve that problem to help you know my son come back to us because unfortunately with all of the gut issues he he stopped talking and he stopped making eye contact he stopped sleeping he stopped developing and and he literally would just lie on the floor and stare at the ceiling and scream all day long so oh yeah God, it, it was, I just can't even imagine the way you described that that must have just been so difficult for you all and poor little thing how old was he at this point yeah so when he um you know he started sort of becoming really unwell around 15 months and then it was about three and a half so that was a really horrible time of will this person help me will that person help me what test do we do? What are we going to do here? So it's, yeah, like 15 months to about three. No, where I just had no idea what to do with this poor child. And of course, it, you know, when he was two years and 
two and a half, two years and four months, out pops another little one. I had Maya. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you deserve a medal, can I just say firstly. That is insane. I feel like my son is three and a half and that's like a handful. I can't, oh, you, you deserve a mothering medal for sure. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> the doctors did tell you that uh, Noel was going to be nonverbal for the rest of his life. And you'll need to, and he'll likely need to live with you forever. Can you talk us through that moment, how that felt? Yeah. So at three and a half, um, we went through the process of finding out what was going on for Noah. And so we had him assessed. And during that assessment, um, he was diagnosed on the spectrum, so autism spectrum. And his prognosis in his reports was certainly you know, it's looking like he will be nonverbal and, you know, his milestones and your expectations of Noah's life is going to have to change. So, you know, he, he probably won't go to a, a normal school. He certainly, um, you know, won't reach those milestones that you're expecting of him. So for example, going to uni, getting married, moving out of home, having children, you know, traveling the world, um, you know, <laughs> becoming a tennis player, <laughs> you know, like all these yeah. dreams that I had for him. Um, you know, it was pretty much like bunker down um, because all of your expectations and all your hopes and dreams of what your son will become is certainly not going to be that. So, you know, I often tell this story of when before he really did get quite unwell, um, you know, he was up and running and, and just thriving at sort of 10 months. And, you know, I come from a family of, you know, sports, like we just love it. And my brother played professional sport and I certainly, you know, did my fair share, my dad, my grandfather. And so my, you know, you just have these hopes and dreams for your kids that you don't even realize are there. I just assumed that he would absolutely thrive in the sporting sort of area he would just be really good at it. And my life would just be like, oh, goodness, now I've got to take him to this training practice. And, oh, he's in, you know, state for this. I've got to take him to this event or whatever. I just assumed that would be my son. And when he was 10 months, um, we were down at, you know, at where we go for our summer holidays and he was kicking the soccer ball. And at that age, he's very young to even be running around, let, it, let alone Absolutely. kicking a soccer ball. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, you know, obviously it was a clumsy, staggered toddler approach. But I, you know, I had some, a lady come up to me and say, wow, you're in for great things with that boy. Look at him go. Like, look at him kicking that soccer ball. You know, and I remember, you know, the, you know standing so proud going, that's it. That's, you know what, my dreams for my son and here he is at 10 months, already shining bright, He's ready gifted, to go. Which yeah, is like every, yeah, yeah. Every oh, parent says that. My child every, is obviously gifted. Every parent says it and when someone comes over and affirms that in a park, it's oh, all yes. like, yes. okay, stay, you know, move over, Roger Federer, we're on, it's happening. So, you know, to sort of have those hopes and dreams and then at three and a half just have them absolutely crushed by the fact that your son won't even know how to play in a sporting team, let alone thrive or possibly even excel. You know, I, it was just, it was just 
horrible. It was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. And, um, you know, I was just, you know, at that, how, how am I going to respond to this? And what am I going to do? And no, no, this is not what I signed up for. This is not my life. And that's not fair on my son. So yeah, it was really there, came to a crux, a very pivotal crux. Was there anything in you that was willing to, that you just thought, I don't know, the medical industry just seems so massive. I think sometimes we have this blind faith in doctors that, okay, what they say goes. Was there anything in you that was like willing to just accept this diagnosis or were you like, no, right, I am, I'm not taking this lying down, I'm doing something? Yeah, I, I think it was more I was just, um, well, I'm really stubborn and I'm, I, just, I just don't accept anything <laughs> that I don't <laughs> want to accept. Um, and, and I think it was just, you know, how could this be? How could this be? This doesn't make sense. And it wasn't more about questioning doctors or questioning the system. It was just, no, I've seen this little boy in here. I've had moments where I've seen him shine. And I remember when he was 10 months and those big sparkling blue eyes and, and his connection to me. And he was talking at that point and, you know, babbling and stuff. And, and I thought, no, this boy deserves more. I want to, I want to give him that. I want to, I want to find out what happened mm. and how we get back to that. Like, how did this just completely landslide? So it was a little bit of questioning for sure of, you know, what happened. And I'm, I want to, I want to know. And my great search for the answers has always been something that I've always had. And also I just wanted to be his biggest cheerleader and find out why, because I didn't want to accept for him that that was going to be his life. So how does that then, how, what do you do from there? How do you start that process of unraveling what's happened? Well, I made the biggest mistake possible. I completely focused on him and forgot about me. Mm. So, you know, it's the whole oxygen mask analogy and I can see that now and it's so important that we raise this and talk about it because mums are crap, absolutely terrible at looking after themselves in those younger years and, you know, where you are at right now. So, and I totally focused on him. I focused on my daughter and, um, you know, I, I, I just jumped on in and completely forgot about, you know, <laughs> nurturing and looking after my husband, looking after my marriage, looking after myself and just went for it. Mm. Um, whereas in hindsight and now when I work with families, the first thing I do is work with the mums. And the first thing I do is, you know, let's look at your health. Let's look at what's going on for you. Let's make you thrive. Let's get you into that sweet spot where you are in complete you know, control. So then you can be the best cheerleader for your yeah. child. So I, I, you know, if I look back now, I, I wish I had a focused more on myself. And when I was doing all of the testing for Noah, I wish I had have done it for myself as well. So, you know, we could progress together as a team and both get well because, you know, I would be doing so much for him and then I'd just fall in a heap and couldn't do anything and just throw my hands in the air and, give up and, you know, it was just so up and down and all over the place, mm. all over the place. Oh, yeah. I, oh, my gosh, I can imagine. There must have been so many times you just wanted to, yeah, collapse into a heap. What did you do? You got, you ordered, you got him to do some testing. Did, what made you think that there was something going on in his gut and that, that might be the answer to what was happening? So, first of all, it was definitely my husband saying, you know, 
this is not normal. And we would see people like this in the gastro clinic. And I'm like, right, okay. So why do people go to the gastro clinic? So I just asked questions, lots and lots of questions. And then, you know, he would say, oh, well, they'd come into the gastro clinic if, if they've got clostridium or if they had giardia or if they had, you know, parasites or, you know, they would come in if they've got an, an inflammation in their gut or if there was something, if they had Crohn's. And so then I was like, okay, so yes, he's been, he's received this, um, you know, ASD diagnosis and that's fine, but his body is clearly not functioning. So where do we turn to get the answers for this? Where do we turn to find out, does he have an infection in his gut? Is his liver performing optimally? Because once again, people who have gut infections have liver and, you know, issues. What's going on? with his brain what's going on with his absorption of nutrients for his brain development if his gut is so inflamed and it's all just liquid running out the other end yeah, yeah so at, at that time you know this is a long time ago at that time it was hard to get appropriate testing here in australia with regards to gut testing there was definitely a couple of companies but there wasn't um you know there wasn't the integrative doctors that you see now and there wasn't, you know, places like, you know, culture wellness, like what I've set up um, for people to get that testing. So no one even discussed gut health. I feel like 10 years ago, it just wasn't. No, but no, not not at all. So um, I found this incredible, incredible organization called the mind organization, which I'm now an ambassador for all these years later. And that was like this, you know, sort of beacon of hope of them sort of saying, look, you know, there could be immune issues, there could be gut issues, there could be metabolic issues, let's, let's raise this, let's talk about this. And there was this tab on their website of doctors who were trained in this whole concept of integrative medicine and looking at gut health. And so, you know, I, I went on and I was like, wow, there's a doctor in Adelaide where I was living at the time who specializes in this and who can do a test. And so we went in and, you know, met him and then organized the testing, organized the bloods, organized, um, you know, urine testing to see what's going on with his, you know, what, what are the toxins that he's excreting? And we had a liver test done and, oh, (laughs) you know, trillions of dollars later because of course back then this testing wasn't really available so it cost a fortune and trillions of dollars later it was like oh my gosh this poor boy what did his test results say yeah so he had had clostridium difficile which is actually quite life-threatening which is a horrible infect you know gut infection that can kill you know and here he is just living with it and then his liver was just not functioning when we had a look, looked at his nutrient levels. He was just flatlined. You know, he didn't have the nutrients that you need for brain development, for development, full stop. He was just had nothing. And when we looked at his urine samples, he was excreting, you know, like oxalates. And he, you know, when we had a, all these horrible compounds, and then when we had his heavy metals tested, he had aluminium, he had mercury, he, you know, his body was just not functioning. It was not doing anything that it's supposed to. It was just holding on to infections and holding on to toxic metabolites. 
And so oh. no wonder. Oh, my poor when, little thing. Oh, it's so <laughs> when you it must be I can hear it in your voice when you reflect on that. It must just feel like that feels like a lifetimes ago. When mm. they gave you, told you what was going on, was there a mixture of relief? Oh, finally we have some answers, but also, okay, what do we have to do now? And and what did you do next? Yes. So Definitely relief because, okay, so this is why he's got the diarrhea. Okay, this is why, you know, he's vomiting nonstop. Okay, this is why he's not developing. So it was a huge amount of relief for about 25 seconds and then the rest of the time was, oh, my goodness, what do I do now? Because if I can only find one doctor who can even prescribe this testing, where's the help and the information and the support to rebuild this little body to bring it back to a thriving body that can learn and shine and develop and be the best that he can be. Like, where do we go from here? And there wasn't much information. And the doctor I was working with was incredible. But of course, he was learning and attending all the conferences at the same time, because Mm. it was all such new information. And so, yeah, it, that was when I really started, okay, I'm going to apply my research skills here. I'm going to contact, you know, the professors. I'm going to contact the best of the best. I'm going to read the research papers. I'm, I'm just going to piece this puzzle back together again. Um, and I, you know, took it on as this sort of project of um, what are we going to do from here? And that's when I came across this understanding and look found in the research that, there was treatment for Clostridium difficile and there was treatment for what was going on with Noah's gut health. But of course you couldn't, he was a child. No one was going to give him this treatment. And so it was, uh, it was like, well, wait till he's 18 and then do it. Oh, Remembering no. that he, <laughs> yeah, There's a long time to wait when you're, you know, four, it's like 14 years. Um, so wait till he's 18 and just put him on antibiotics for now mm-hmm. and until he's old enough to have the treatment. And, you know, there wasn't, there was really not a lot to do because of his age. And that was a huge obstacle to overcome as well. But back, you know, once again, I went back to the drawing board of, okay, what do we do here? And I, you know, started contacting all of the universities that had, you know, their research uh, air, you know, research sort of um, programs attached to that. And that's when I found the most incredible doctor in Canada that was doing a research study on Clostridium difficile and what's called um, FMTs or fecal microbial transplants. And yeah, we just started engaging with that doctor, explaining Noah's condition, his lab results. You know, obviously our doctor was conversing with him and I was just pushing really hard to what can you do? Can we get on this research project? Can we be part of the research? Because then obviously Noah could be part of it um, if he was on a research project. And thankfully I wrote enough emails (laughs) (laughs) and just kept going. And then obviously with my husband's medical background and um, yeah, we, we received the green light and off we went to Canada and Noah received, I, Noah, myself and my daughter all received this fecal microbial transplant to, to reestablish a new gut microbiome for him. And it yeah. was, I was just going to say, can you talk us through for people who wouldn't know what exactly that is and 
what kind of impact I guess you saw that make on all your health? So our gut microbiome is made up of microbes and, you know, we, we really don't understand and sort of really pay homage to the fact we're all basically microbes and bugs running around in our system. And our gut microbiome is where there's trillions and trillions of these microbes. And, you know, in a in an healthy person, these microbes do everything for us. They, you know, they create... Um, joy, our serotonin, they help us digest our food, they support us to be able to balance, you know, our neurotransmitters, they build our immune response, you know, they do everything. And so my son had got to the point where he only had infections in his gut and didn't actually have any of those or very limited amount of those beneficial microbes that do everything. And so a fecal microbial transplant is where you basically bomb bomb the scene so you go in with very hardcore antibiotics very hardcore and you wipe out good and bad and you wipe out the pathogens that are living in there so the clostridium difficile and in the process of that you are wiping out any beneficial microbes that may be left over and so you're left with it this like vacant ecosystem this barren ecosystem and then what you do is you grab someone else's beautiful, thriving, beneficial microbes and you put them inside your gut microbiome and they, that's, you know, they establish themselves in there, they multiply and thrive and then they start producing the metabolites, the nutrients, the minerals, producing all of the, everything that our microbiome should be doing, they start to produce that for optimal health. And so, Noah, you know, we all had this transplant because I had Clostridium difficile as well because I, I handed it on to Noah during the birth process and the, you know, obviously pregnancy process and my daughter also had it. And it was like a, a game changer. Like, I you know, it's been years now. So you kind of, you know, the, the sort of golden bullet or, the, you know, the, the bullet of how exciting it was does wear off a little bit, but I, you know, I remember like the next day him starting to, to have functional conversation with me. I was like, what you talk? I had never really heard him speak a sentence before, let alone, I didn't know he understood or I didn't realize his vocab was so elaborate. I didn't really, like I'd never for years hadn't seen him make eye contact with me and talk with me. And I, I just, didn't realize how much he knew and his capabilities, but it was just being clouded in this fog of toxins and this fog of, you know, lack of function. And so, yeah, and after the first day, we had multiple transplants for the week that we were there. But after that first day, like the next day when we woke up, I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, you me goosebumps. (laughs) I know. It's like you can... You know how to put a sentence together? Oh. Why didn't you do this sooner? Like, you know, oh. like, oh, it, was, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I was like, give him more. Get yeah. more bugs in there. I'll have some more at the same time. Thanks. <laughs> you know? I have heard you say, and it brought me to tears. I think you must have said in another podcast, or maybe it was an article I was reading, that sometime later he did speak to you and tell you what it was like for him during that time. Can you talk us through that conversation? Without crying, sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, maybe <laughs> cry too. <laughs> no, so so he was five when he had his FMT, and of course, he. I feel like he only really started life at five, you know, because his health was, you know, going downhill rather than escalating at five. So there was so much to catch up on. There was so much learning, so much development, so many, you know, social norms to explain to him. Gosh, is, you know, and he's still behind with a lot of that stuff because he didn't really start life until he was five. But a couple of years later, we were sitting on the rocks uh, looking out at the ocean and we were just having a lovely time, you know, when you're sitting with your child and you're just chatting and he just broke down and started crying. But it wasn't tantrum crying. It was just sheer grief and he was sobbing and crying and I was like, no, what's going on? And he said, well, why, why didn't, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you know that I was sick? I was screaming so loudly. I was trying to tell you how much pain I was in and I was trying to tell you how sick I was and no one listened. You know, no one helped me and I was in so much pain and it was horrible. Why didn't, why didn't you help me? And so as a mother, Mm. like the first thing is like, oh my God, my child thinks I didn't give a crap. Like, you know, he just, he just thought that, I thought that he was okay and I didn't care. So that was just like the first horrible, horrible moment of I need to explain to him that he was our utmost priority, even though it didn't feel like it for him. And secondly, explaining to him we were trying, we just couldn't find the answer for so long. But we, you know, but we did, and and we're here, we're here trying to help you, and we heard you. So, you know, it's 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 a huge trauma for him that we've worked really hard and we will continue to work on to give him the support that he was being listened to. We just didn't have the answers as opposed to, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, whatever, you know, stop crying. You'll be fine. You know? Yeah. Oh, he'll be right. Up. Yeah. Yep. Toughen up kind of thing. So, oh my, yeah, the poor thing. He, he just, he genuinely thought we weren't listening and we just didn't care and, we weren't there for him. So, you know, there, there's a lot for him to unpack and go through and grow and, um, yeah, be able to trust sort of, you know, humanity again. And, and he's getting there. He's getting there. How old is he now and how's he doing? So Noah's 12 and <laughs> he's going through puberty. And oh. Noah's like, oh, <laughs> Wow, here we oh. go again. Can you get a transplant for puberty? Because I'm one. <laughs> I can't imagine when I think of people say to me, can you imagine when Ollie's a teenager? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we've had these glory years, you know, of him just being, just, you know, doing so well. But we are certainly in the thick of it at the moment. And it's, it's, it's awesome to watch. Um, but, you know, like he's, he goes to, you know, a normal school and he's in an age appropriate year and he, you know, he, he's just smashing it with regards to academically. He's doing really well with all the supports that we've put in place. Socially, he needs heaps of support, heaps of support and his brain development. We are constantly, you know, working on it. It's amazing because we know now the concept of neurogenesis. We know that the brain can repair. And we know that, you know, our neurons can fire again. So 
we, you know, we, there was so much attention on his gut health, which of course there still is. And now there's a lot of attention on, um, you know, that neurogenesis of supporting his brain to learn again and to fire again. Um, but yeah, it's pretty funny doing it all during the process of puberty. And he just genuinely believes that he should be the boss of the house and that we should be following his rules. <laughs> you must be so incredibly, when you reflect on this, I know you wouldn't think of it that often anymore, but when you do, you must be so incredibly, incredibly proud of yourself for sticking to your guns and part of the pun, trusting your gut. What do you think your life would have looked like if you just all those years ago just accepted the diagnosis? Oh my gosh. I, I genuinely think I'd be divorced. Um, so when I was diagnosed at three and a half, one of the things that they said to us in, as they're giving us the report to basically say your child's life is nothing like you're going to, you know, expect, they said, they said to us, well, 80% of marriages with children on the spectrum fail. So oh, cool. we, Thanks. I know, yeah. we highly yeah. recommend you go and get some counseling. And I was like, right. So you're telling me my son's on the spectrum and will be nonverbal and now you're telling me my marriage is going to, you know, going to end. So I, I do. I feel like there's no way that my marriage would have survived it and there's been times where I've actually questioned, is it going to survive it? <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, it, there is no way we could have got through it had we not just gone for it financially we have taken the biggest hit like we had to sell our house we've used up all our savings we you know we are so far behind financially and if we had to continue to keep on forking out the money that we were before we were able to you know get the balance like financially I just it worries me where we would be um and I, I don't think, well, I certainly would not have started cultured wellness. I wouldn't have been able to help other families. I wouldn't have been able to find my voice to be vocal about kids' health and what kids deserve. And um, my health, I, well, I, I think I would have gone probably down that path of being chronic pain, chronic medications, sleeping tablets, um, you know, just being held up by medications. And I don't think I would have been able to get like consistent work and I wouldn't have been able to follow my dreams and my daughter's life would have suffered a lot. Wow. That's you know, a very different life to the life you're leading oh, now, isn't it? It's vastly different. Just so different. Yeah, wow. And I, I, I know. And I would have lived in that, you know, victim blame mm. uh, I think I would have got to that point it's not been my set point at all my whole life and I've been very fortunate to be have been brought up with wonderful sort of uh, you know outlook but I think I would have I would have gone there I reckon I read I, I think I would have just gone well well no one understands what it's like to live like this and no one gets it and it's just you, you know that whole victim mentality I yeah and that worries me a lot because you know that's obviously not how you shine in life and you can't get anywhere with that mindset but I reckon I would have I would have really taken that on board too so my life and then the people around me and my experiences and the joys and all of those things had I not questioned and stood up for myself and my family and and just wanted more and being curious yeah my life would just be 
terrible. It's <laughs> <laughs> very different. You did touch on then that, um, you know, it was this experience that helps you now connect with other families who need the help, needed the help that you needed once upon a time. Do you feel like everything you went through was your chance to learn all of this stuff to find your passion? Um, <laughs> yes, but did it have to be that hard? <laughs> that freaking hard. <laughs> Seriously. Um, you know, I always, I always say, um, that, so I've had some, even before Noah was born, I had some pretty epic experiences in my life. Um, either through my outdoor experiences, you know, with mountaineering and rock climbing and some of the pretty crazy sports I used to do. And also my traveling experiences, like for example, example, I was in the Boxing Day tsunami and oh my God, yeah, I went through some really full on uh, experiences there and afterwards. And I feel like all of those things were setting me up and preparing me for the big guns, which was obviously Noah. (laughs) So yes, testing your strength and resilience, I guess as well. Yeah. So had I not gone through the tsunami and I had, I not gone through all of my own health challenges and mental health challenges and pains and all those sorts of things. I just don't know if I would have been stubborn enough or I don't know if I would have had, yeah, the resilience. So it was all kind of grooming me, little did I know back then, for what I really needed to bring to the table. And so I don't want other families to have to go through all of those experiences to to be resilient enough to be able to handle what life can throw at you when you've got a sick child. So I'm I feel like I feel like Noah's taken it for the team. So he's you know, he went down really hard and has just gone through some, inc- you know, incredible, pro- you know, process. And he he's amazing at what he's been through. And he's he's gone through that for the, the rest of the children out there so we can help them. And, I yeah, I feel the same for me. I feel like I've gone through this to now be able to have empathy and understanding for other families but also give them the strength to stand up how to question, where to find the answers, how to get the support. And that's why I set up Cultured Wellness. I wanted every single thing that I wish I had at that time all under the one roof so I, don't, I didn't have to go searching and looking and spending money everywhere and retelling my story or n- not knowing who to turn to or how to get information. So, yeah, like baptism by fire for sure mm-hmm. but I yeah I it's lovely to be able to turn into an experience into being a such a great joy of being able to help other people it's it's wonderful absolutely and how does cultured wellness help people wow well I think the first thing is we provide the most incredible community where people can be heard So that's pretty hard when you're sort of facing a lot of things on a daily basis that people don't understand. So um, it's very hard for someone to understand that you have to lock all your doors and actually lock yourself in a room to keep yourself safe from your own child Mm -hmm. who's going at you with a knife or wanting to bite you or, you know, having a psychotic episode. It's very hard to explain that to someone whose child is just perfect, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so number one is community where you're understood. I think that's probably what I I hope the legacy that we leave is it's a safe, safe place. And then from there we've obviously got um, 
all of the practitioner support that is so important to get the right testing um, organised, to be able to get the right assessments of the bloods and the, you know, the stool tests that we now can get in Australia and to be able to have the appropriate, you know, prescriptions for herbal medicine, all the fermented foods, how to, you know, jump on the right, um, you know, lifestyle choices and food plans and have the support there to be able to implement that and to be able to support the mums to make sure that they look after themselves and that they have a voice and that they can be supported. So, yeah, we've got some, it's cool. Like everything that I wish I had, I was just like, okay, well, let's, let's make that. Let's wow. get that out there. Let's support that because that is really important for success for oh. families. That is so awesome. And it's the most amazing product. It's the most amazing concept and the products. We've got the products here. I love it so, so much. Do you have mums coming to you uh, with their children in a similar state to what Noah was once upon a time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I still do very much hands-on, one-on-one support um, for those families that are, are certainly at that sort of breaking point where we were. And then we have support for all, you know, for all sort of families of what they need, depending on whether it's just, you know, online education tools or whether it's the real hands-on step-by-step process. So, yeah, we've just tried to set it up. And, you know, I really hope one day it just becomes a, you know, we've set up the Noah Garnet Foundation Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, I hope it gets to the point that we can just have the whole thing running as a foundation to give back to families, but um, we'll get there. What are some of the things that um, we can be doing for our gut health and, uh, you know, as mums supporting ourselves and what are some of the ways that mums can make sure our kids are getting that really rich gut nourishment as well? Yeah. Okay. So absolutely the first place to start is fermented foods. So they need to be the cornerstone of your family, you know, food choices. So we, I think we get all excited about fermented foods now in the gut health space and um, people are, you know, just constantly chugging back kombucha and they're just constantly eating sauerkraut and, and it, it, it's become sort of quite prevalent but not in moderation and not appropriately. So... You know, it's when we're eating sauerkraut on a plate, for example, it's a condiment. It's one or two tablespoons. And we just pop that on the plate. And, you know, that's a wonderful way for us to digest our food and absorb our nutrients in our meal. So we want to add those fermented foods in, you know, at making, you know, the culture wellness yogurt, for example. And like you were saying, you know, adding it to smoothies and, you know, making ice blocks out of it and just having it on a daily basis in and amongst just your food. You know, it doesn't have to be this big overt, right, as of today, we're only having fermented foods, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which is what I did, but, you know, that was the wrong choice. But, you know, just slowly adding it in. So gut health um, and fermented foods should just be right up there because if our gut, gut isn't functioning, our kids cannot develop. They can't learn. And so there's no point in spending all your money on this awesome education because it's actually what you do at home and how you nourish your children is how they make the most of that incredible education and what you're providing for them. So definitely the fermented food is the first step. The second step is just to be really honest with yourself about the processed food and the sugars that you're feeding your kids 
and also being honest with yourself about the, um, the routines and the habits that you're setting up for your kids. So if you're the mum that's driving home, you want to keep your child quiet and you stick your hand out the back <laughs> whilst you're driving and give them something to keep them quiet, that's, that's creating a habit that food will make me feel happy mm. and food will take away my fears or my angers or food, food will make me feel better. And it's, it, it's just taking away that um, dialogue of why do we feel this way and what's going on and talk to me about it. So we want to look at, you know, beautiful habits. We only eat when we sit down at the family table. We, you know, we don't snack in the car. We don't snack on the run. We don't feed kids to keep them quiet. We don't use food as, um, you know, a carrot mm. <laughs> and we don't use food as reward mechanisms because these are all habits that when children become, you know, older or when we become adults, it's like, oh, I feel crap. I'm going to go and eat three donuts. That'll make that me feel better. That is so true. I, I, I noticed that in myself. It's like I'm having a crappy day. I deserve this nice food. Yeah. Wow. If we're not, yeah, if we're not taught from an early age, you know, mummy, I had the worst day. Oh, sweetheart, come and sit on my lap and talk to me about that. So what happened? Do we need to have a bath? Do we need to go for a walk together? Um, how can I support you to get through this day rather than, I'm busy, here's your ice block and can you please be quiet because I've had a really bad day and I actually just cannot handle any more noise or input into my brain. Mm, yeah, These are really absolutely. Hard things. And it's, you know, where mums have so much pressure on them and unless we actually take stop, take a step back and focus on our number one job, which is our children, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to set up our children for success with the appropriate behaviours and habits. What signs in our children do you think really indicate that perhaps they need a bit of uh, TLC in the gut department? Yes, yes. So number one is poor sleep. So poor sleep is just showing us that there's imbalances within the gut microbiome, imbalances within those hormones that produce good quality sleep and help us go to sleep. And also um, children feel full and they feel, you know, like they, they want to go into that restful sleep. So number one, how's the, your child's sleep? And be honest about how your child's sleep mm. is. So don't make excuses for them. It, you know, if the sleep's crap, then there needs to be something done about it. The next thing is is the tummy pain. So kids really do let you know if we're listening about what's going on with their gut health. So tummy pains, constant worm infections, um, you know, it's really important from the get-go when our children, you know, do a poo that we go, you know, high five. Look at that awesome brown poo. That is exactly what we want today. And if it doesn't look like that, we say, oh, what's going on with your poo today? What, you know, we've got the Bristol stool chart. Where do you think it is on the chart? Oh, how are you feeling? Did you sleep well? Are you feeling a little bit cranky today? Is your tummy sore? And really from the start, giving them that incredible understanding that what comes out in the toilet reflects how we're feeling, reflects our health. So talking about our stools, very important. That, and then obviously the sleep 
and irritability. So if our ch children are irritable and they won't settle, they chuck bananas constantly, you know, not literally, physically chucking bananas, but the tantrums <laughs> are happening. And they're, you know, there's a lot um, going on with regards to sensory issues or if they can't seem to manage, you know, um, you know the, the situations that they're put in, if you're finding like their learning and behaviour is, sorry, their learning is falling behind, all of those things are leading towards gut imbalances. And the other one is skin conditions. Man, you know, the amount of psoriasis and eczema that I see in kids now and normalised just frustrates me. It is a sign of complete gut microbiome that's gone haywire and it is the set point or the starting point for autoimmune disease and conditions as adults. No, so you, your outlook on all of this is when I met you in December and we didn't record, it's just completely <laughs> changed how I approach my son's gut health and just taking notice of the things he says or taking notice of a, a runny poo, as you said, it's just completely different now because of you. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So many, uh, there's a lot of people, particularly women who listen to this podcast who have been through uh, some kind of emotional trauma, something that has happened in their life in various uh, aspects. I'm not sure you know, all different things. What do you know, what, how important is it for them to, what should they be doing to look after their gut health after something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So if you've been through, and let's be honest, it's just giving birth. <laughs> like, yeah. If you've been through any form of, um, you know, major sort of situation, it's really important to focus on what is going to nurture me and build that resilience back up again. So, you know, watching Netflix to 11 o'clock at night is not nurturing you. Mm. And, you know, having coffee and only drinking that until 2 o'clock in the afternoon because you forgot to eat is not going to nurture you. And um, engaging with, you know, doing things that you know is not right for you but you feel, you know, propelled, oh, I must, I must go out for dinner with those people or I must go to that, you know, dinner party or what, those sorts of things. Um, you know, when, when you're in that, that time where you've got to support yourself, it is really important to, to say no, to nurture yourself with the, the right foods, the right nutrients, and to get the support that you need and, and look for your triggers and for your pitfalls. So, you know, even now today, you know, my sleep is my... <laughs> Yeah. I think I genuinely think that I don't need to sleep. It's hilarious because I get so excited about life. Oh, but, the best thing know, ever. <laughs> I know, but it's like I need to, you know, really pull my head in and focus on that because that's where the trouble starts. When you don't sleep well, everything just falls apart and women will stay up very late because they want that alone time without their kids, but they're pushing themselves way too hard because of course you're up the next morning when your kids get up yeah exactly now Kirsty, i've got one more question to finish with i hope you don't mind now you are this incredible incredible wealth of knowledge and the benefit of hindsight is always 2020 and i finish this uh i use this question with every one of my guests what would the Kirsty now tell the Kirsty in her darkest moments when you were told your son would likely be non-verbal 
what would you tell her now? Oh my goodness. Um, big question. <laughs> oh, and, and you put this at the end. This is a yes. whole podcast. <laughs> um, well, the first thing that I would tell myself is one step at a time. So I like things to be done. I like to rush. I like to, yep, done that problem solved. Let's get on to the next thing. And so I would tell myself that, you know, every step is a new step to where you need to go. And so I would, I'd I'd say one step at a time. And then I would also tell myself, instead of thinking about where you're at and how hard it is and the depths of everything, you know, close your eyes and imagine what the life that you want looks like and, you know, really create this beautiful world in your thoughts and write it down on paper and just create it, draw it, do whatever it needs to be to, to set the scene of what you want and where you want to go, how it feels, what it looks like, the smell of it, how your, you know, your kids behave, um, all of those things create that. And then that is, that's, that is what you focus on every day to get you moving forward as opposed to, the opposite direction. So yeah, I I think just creating your new world um, is very, very important and, and just doing it one day at a time and giving yourself the expectations of reality versus, (laughs) versus of, you know, I just want it tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Kirsty, for your time. I'm so thrilled that we finally had this chat. Thank you so much. You're just a wealth of knowledge and I can't wait for everyone to listen to this one. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this chat. If you'd like to check out Cultured Wellness, I'll pop the link in the show notes. You can follow Kirsty on Instagram at Cultured Wellness with a K. As always, you can get in contact with me at Elizabeth O'Neill. If you can share this chat on your social media and tag me, I'd be so grateful. And if you've got a spare sec to leave a review, hit five stars and subscribe. It'll help other people find lemonade who perhaps really need it. Stay safe in this crazy world and I'll be back with you guys on Thursday. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.